Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You are listening to the Curator Podcast, Season Two, Episode Eighteen. An interview with Fraser Stewart from Fat Goth. Before we start this interview, I just want to let you know that this interview was recorded over the phone. Now, this is the first time I've done that, so if there's any interference or anything like that, I apologise, I'm still trying to work out the kinks. I think I got all of it though, but if I didn't, or if you notice anything, please let me know. Enjoy. Fraser, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm not bad, Mark, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. good not good. bad. I'm glad to hear that, I'm glad to hear that. So, I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, but I'll give you a brief rundown of what it is that I talk about. Talk about creativity and passion. And I've been a fan of Fat Goth for quite a wee while. Um, I think Uncle Vic was the one that put me on to you guys, actually. Um, All right, okay. So let's let's get back to the start, man. Where does Fraser, the the musician, where does he begin? Uh, oh, Christ. Um, well, I, I guess when I was about 16, I think that was when I first heard uh, Nirvana. And um, I don't know, I guess my story is no different from countless of other people who would cite cite Nirvana as like a a catalyst for having an interest in music. Um, But it seemed like almost instantly after hearing their stuff that I kind of wanted to be involved doing something like that myself. Yeah. Um, And I think, yeah, it wasn't too long after that that I wanted to learn how to play the guitar and write my own music, which is what I did pretty much. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much where it started from, I guess. I'm always really interested in how people make that leap, you know what I mean? They go from like, oh, I really like that song to, holy shit, I need to write my own songs, like immediately. You know, it's, I think it's a fascinating process. Yeah, I mean, I don't, looking back, I, I don't even remember having any interest in music at all prior to hearing that stuff, you know. Or at least I didn't really feel any kind of connection with it or anything. You know, I was just more interested in computer games or whatever. But um, I don't know, it was just a, an epiphany, if you like. I just kind of felt a, a desire to kind of pursue that and see what happens with it, really. I think it had the same thing with Nirvana. I mean, it was kind of, the first album I ever bought was Americana by The Offspring, but I remember hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit, played a, a being mm-hmm. mimed by some people at a talent contest in school. And I was like, holy shit, what is that guitar riff? And then suddenly I was like, oh, I guess that's something I'm going to do. And then a couple of years later, I picked up the guitar and I started just, you know, playing those songs because that's the, that's the most most interesting thing about them. It's just so easy to play as well, you know? Like, it's just yeah, I mean, so um, 
Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's like a, a, a perfect sort of starting point, I guess. I mean, there's loads of artists and stuff like that that have that you could uh, say the same. But I don't know. Just for me, it was Nirvana, and like you say, you know, loads of other people have had the same experience. So, and it and continues to do so. Well, I guess that's just testament to how good their their music was and continues to be. So, but fat yeah. goth. I mean, you guys like quite meaty riffs, which is quite far from. Nirvana, in a lot of ways, almost in a kind of a metal way, I guess. But, but I mean, where does that come from? Uh, see, I, I would disagree with that. I don't know. I, I like Nirvana because of the sort of, I don't know, what, like, um, I don't know, most folk would say In Utero is their favourite album, and I would say I'm no different. Yeah. Um, I don't know, there was something about the, the abrasiveness of it, and... Uh, I don't know. It was just so raw sounding. That's what I really liked about them. The fact that it wasn't really polished and refined music. I mean, I suppose Nevermind was, but... Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think I kind of lost my train of thought here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid answer. Saying I don't know is also like... Sometimes it's just almost like magic. You know I mean, it just happens and you're like well, fuck, I'm going to keep doing this because, you know, why not? It's, it's fun. And that's the main thing, isn't it? Nirvana were also fun. I mean, the lyrics weren't yeah. fun, don't get me wrong. They were not not fun to, you know, analyse, like, lyrically. But musically, mm-hmm. there's just something, like you say, primal, visceral about it. You know, it just grabs you. And you're like, yes. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just, I really kind of, I don't know, that, that, that quality just really kind of spoke to me, I guess. Uh, and like growing up, I wasn't a particularly big fan of metal music either. It's just, I don't know. I think when I think of Nirvana and bands like that, I think of it in a sort of sense of like a, of them just being an abrasive, in your face punk rock band, you know, instead. Um, uh, I, don't, I, I don't even know if I've got a point here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess one thing I'm thinking though is we've talked about Nirvana a wee bit and. I don't really hear a lot of Nirvana when I hear you guys playing, though, and I'm kind of wondering, like, like where it diverged, you know, where where that kind of where you kind of went into your own fat goth territory, like where that right. where that kind of comes from, because it's an amalgamation of many different influences, you know, and obviously, yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, what do you what do you think of that point? I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it sounds like Nirvana, and I'm just deaf. I don't know. I, I don't know. I I think. I mean, I I, I don't listen to Nirvana nowadays. I mean, as a um, creative source I think I kind of exhausted it long ago but I still you know obviously love that music for uh, because of what it means to me but one of the best things Nirvana did was introduce me to a whole load of um, bands and artists who they cited as influences and stuff and I don't know through going down that uh, being interested in that stuff it kind of inspired a lot of what I guess what Fagoff um, creates I mean bands like the Melvins um, they're like a, a major influence on in what we do uh, I remember like I'm trying to think roughly of the date I think it was around about 2007 or 8 I had like a Melvins best of album and I don't know I just listened to it quite a lot and I enjoyed it more and more every time I did and I just I don't know 
the, the, the music that I would sit down and write on my guitar, it would kind of follow a sort of similar uh, similar setting that it's just all about abstraction, I guess. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm, I'm talking absolute nonsense here, sorry. <laughs> Everyone says that, but that's the most interesting thing. When you start getting on to a train of thought, I think that's that's what makes this interesting because it's about, you know... Those things when you're creating songs, certainly in my, in my experience, like there is no abstract is the right word, you know, like there is no kind of linear path. And mm. I I started this podcast with like the idea of like trying to find out what people's paths were because everybody comes at it very differently, you know. Sure. And speaking of and sort of speaking in that kind of vein, like I'm thinking now about how it was quite a long time between like a hundred percent suave and an arm, and. Obviously, 100% Suave came quite close after our stud. Um, see, in the sort of interim period, was was there a lot of productivity in songwriting? Or was it just like I need to take a break? Or did, did your creative sort of process change in any way? Or, you know, I'm, I'm after, Yeah. I mean, you you mean a, after 100% Suave? Yeah. Like, did things, well, like, obviously, it's a bit of time to take away. So it's almost like getting off the, the bike. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, well. I mean, Kevin joined. Kevin joined. Uh, I think at the tail end of 2011. Prior to that, we had our friend Alan playing bass with us, and he's on like the first album and a couple of EPs, and then he then emigrated to Australia. So we got Kevin in, and then we immediately started working on the material that made up Stud. And once that was recorded, Mark, our drummer, he was really keen on trying to give it a, a sort of media push, I guess, just to try and get a lot of exposure and see what would happen with it. Um, I mean, I at the time, I remember just anticipating a whole load of negative responses that would be funny, you know. Um, but surprisingly, it was kind of received pretty well. Uh, it definitely was. And then yeah. as a result, it kind of opened up a lot of doors for us. Like, we were extremely fortunate and now we got um, given a lot of opportunities to do a lot of cool things mm-hmm. with the band. And then, um, yeah, so that stud came out, I think, at the start of 2013. And then that whole year, we were, like, super busy. We were gigging all the time and getting to do a lot of fun stuff, which was great. And I think uh, Mark was the most keen in trying to keep that momentum going. So he was banging the drum to uh you know write a follow-up as as quickly as possible just so you know people remember who we are i guess um and so that and that ended up being 100 percent suave and that came out i don't know i think a little over a year after stud i think and I, i think it's one of our best albums but i don't know i think we we definitely put a lot of pressure on ourselves to come up with something as quickly as that that you know was of a decent quality mm-hmm. and inevitably it kind of led to sort of I suppose tensions and I don't know and the whole process maybe wasn't as fun as it should have been yeah um but when it came out you know it, it did what it did but I don't think it was as well received as stud and also I mean we're not a full-time band either we we're just doing this as a sort of passionate hobby uh-huh. project kind of thing you know so it's not as if we could have really given it a big proper 
paper push and done the touring thing and see what happens that way, you know. Was that never something that you'd considered, like taking it and that? Because I mean, with all the rest, all the good reception from Stud, you said like there could have been a path where you could have taken it full time. Was that ever a consideration? Maybe. Okay, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, around about that time, we were sort of in our late 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, Kevin's a little bit older than Mark and I. He's like a few years older. And uh, I don't think he was massively keen on um, doing the touring thing because he's kind of done it extensively mm-hmm. uh, with previous bands. And so so Mark and I, you know, and it's great fun. It's a good experience just going away playing a whole bunch of shows in different towns and cities um, and just seeing what happens with it. But it's a bit of a brutal existence if you're, you know, spending the majority of your days in a transit van and, like, sleeping on strangers' floors and stuff like that. I mean, I guess some people love it, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know, they have an affinity for that lifestyle, but I don't know if it was really for us. I mean, we did do, like, a... The only touring that we've ever done was like a, a week or so when Stud came out and we went down south and I think we did like eight shows in a row and uh, it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the playing the shows is amazing fun. That's obviously why people do it. But um, it was quite draining and I don't know, I, can't, I think we all came back with the realisation that perhaps we're not really, the three of us are maybe not best suited for it, mm-hmm. I guess. But to answer your original question, um, like once 100% Suave came out and, you know, we, we played shows in support of it and it came time to write in a new a new album, I think just because we kind of done our nothing, so to speak, we just wanted to take our time and not let it get too stressful. So yeah. it was just the writing process was, you know, just an enjoyable experience and we had good fun with it and, yeah, it was great. It worked out fine. You know, I think the new album, I think Norm is definitely our best one, in my opinion. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that we just took our time and, you know. Yeah. It's not like the, it's not like the world was crying out for another Fat Goth album anyway, so we could just take it easy and, I don't know, work to our own schedule, if you like. I think uh, there's definitely a lot to be said for putting yourself in a situation where... Um, You've got, to, or you've kind of put yourself in a situation where uh, you you kind of want to, or you've got a desire to write something immediately after, like you've written, you know, an album. Because um, mm-hmm. sometimes pushing yourself in that situation can breed creativity, and obviously it did. But then the burnout, I don't think people realize really realize like that the immense pressure that puts on you and your relationships, and also yeah. the, the creative burnout you get after like such an intensive period of time, like. And all those, it's it's just, it can be tough, you know? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, um, I don't know. Like I said, we, we've been, as a band, we've been extraordinarily fortunate for you know, a, a strictly part-time musical entity that's operating on a tiny budget and, you know, just completely independent. I think when you consider all the stuff that we've managed to do, I don't know, it's difficult to not feel extremely privileged and fortunate for all that stuff that's come our way. Mm-hmm. Feeling burnt out. Yeah, we, we definitely felt that way. And I don't know, I mean, when, you, when you're engaging in a creative endeavour like something like something like this it's supposed to be fun mm-hmm. and if you're not having fun then what's the point i yeah. guess um then it just becomes a job i suppose and the stuff that you're going to make's not going to be as good as it could be i suppose mm-hmm. yeah is that, i guess that's a concern for a lot of bands but a lot of bands decide fuck it this is going to be the job don't they and it changes people i mm. think it changes people yeah definitely yeah Changes your approach um, to music as well. I mean, you only need to look like a look at a band like Metallica or whatever. You know, it's clearly just a a money making scheme for them now. I think, creatively speaking, they went bankrupt decades ago. <laughs> In my humble opinion, I don't know. There's legions of fans who would uh, categorically disagree with that, but <laughs> I, I know an awful few people like the new album. But I've got to, I've got. To... Uh, confess, I've never been a huge Metallica fan personally. No, so, me neither, man. I don't know. I don't get it. Kevin fucking loves Metallica. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, if you talk, can yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, Kevin's like a, a diehard fan. He, you know, swears by the sort of first four albums, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I mean, I can understand that. It's just they never really did anything for me personally. I like a few tunes from that era, but I don't know. There's never really been a, a major influence from myself personally but I mean everything's come after the Black Album you know it's just like man this is just shit <laughs> and I think if I was a diehard Metallica fan I would kind of be feeling sort of pissed off that they, they're kind of tarnishing their own legacy by sort of bringing out mediocre to terrible uh, half-baked metal albums yeah it's, like, it's not like they don't even need the money anymore. Like they can, I know. They can probably just sit there and listen and get like the, the the well, at least from the first four records and the black album, I guess, all of it like for forever and never have to fucking yeah. work another day in their lives. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's I don't know. Lars could go off and reacquire his uh, priceless art collection exactly. again. James Hetfield can go off and kill as many fucking bears as he likes. That guy's both of those guys are uh, seriously interesting individuals. Say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. I don't know. I fucking love that. Uh, what's it? Uh, the some kind of monster film. Yeah, it's hilarious. We've, we've like Fat Goth watches that every time we're recording a new album. We'll put that on at some point during the during the the recording sessions. It's kind of become a bit of a ritual, but <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious, man. It's so good. It's so spinal tap. I think it's it? fucking stock. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> 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 I 
Like it's, it's but, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's, that's like a that's a, a, a classic example of the the band no longer really being about the the creativity. It's more about a money making machine. Because um, I mean, that in the film, like when the the record the recording's finished or like the album's almost done, they've got the manager on the phone and they're telling them all this promotional stuff that they have to do. You know, the be radio sort of sound bites and all that sort of shit. <laughs> it's just like, man, why don't you guys just do something else? But, ugh, I don't know. Whatever. I guess if you've got nothing else to do, you might as well go back to the studio, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or make, if you've uh, got the money to... Yeah, exactly. If you've got the money for it, you know. But, I mean, you guys are not going to become Metallica, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, a saving grace. Well, I hope not. Um, see, see when um, you think about uh, the writing process for a norm. Um, when I listened to it, I actually kind of it struck me about how direct it was. Um, despite the fact it took like what three or four years to write, was that intentional to to do something that was quite you know sharp and to the point? Yeah, man. Yeah, that was intentional. Um, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of our stuff, particularly the, the earlier stuff, is quite schizophrenic. And it's it's all over the place in some in some songs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the way the those songs came out, you know. It was just I don't know. It wasn't like we were intentionally trying to be uh, choppy and changey all the time. It's just I don't know. It was just how it came out. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I think I mean I write the majority of the stuff in the band. Kevin contributes a lot as well. And, um, he he writes his own songs, but I still kind of do the lion's share of it myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we we're doing the norm stuff, I just I don't know. It was heavily influenced by bands like No Means No, yeah, and also like ZZ Top, and I don't know, just sort of basic punk kind of stuff. I just I was really into the sort of direct quality that you hear and that that sort of stuff. No means no in particular, because I mean, they they still they're still uh, musically speaking, they're still very intelligent in a lot of their songs. You know, they kind of play around with a lot of styles, and I don't know, it's like one part Ramones and then like another part sort of odd jazz mm-hmm. stuff, I guess. Uh, but it's somehow that their records are just I don't know, they're very immediate. Yeah, and. A lot, I mean, it's, it's sequel parts, the music, but also, in my opinion, also what Rob Wright was singing about. Mm. I think his lyrics, but like me, as a lyricist, I think he's amazing. Um, and I think it's a real shame that they maybe don't have as much recognition as they should do. But yeah, stuff like that. And also ZT Talk kick ass. So <laughs> this just went into... I don't know. I was listening to a lot of their stuff, and they kind of inspired a lot of the the guitar playing side of things as well. Can I strip it down but keep it classic, almost? If you know what I mean, like yeah, totally, man. Yeah, I mean, I got a wah pedal as well for all that stuff, and I don't know the 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 sound of a guitar wah. It's like pretty classic sounding, I guess. Yeah, something that you can really sort of associate with with a classic rock sound. So I don't know, it was just fun. 
I don't know, having that as a sort of centre point to work around that idea and not get too crazy with it. So would you say it helped keeping that in focus then, that this is supposed to be your kind of focused on keeping it like, keeping it stripped back and, and kind of trimming the fat and just immediately in your face sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And we intentionally wanted it to be half an hour as well, so it's kind of quick and to the point and it's mm-hmm. done. Uh, originally, we wanted to release the album on vinyl, but it's just so expensive. Relatively um, expensive, yeah. Yeah. It's obscene. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think for that's a, a whole issue for us is physical copies of our music. Mm-hmm. I mean, if money was no object, obviously the whole lot would be available on vinyl. But um, the only way we could realistically do that is if we worked with a label or labels who could uh, share the cost of it. But then when you go down that route, you've kind of got a moral obligation to promote it and, you know, uphold your end of the bargain. And touring is not really an option for us. So I think if we, you know, I would certainly feel guilty about taking that kind of money off somebody and not really being able to, I don't know, do what's expected of me. Yeah. That's that's the, that is always the the dark side of being part of a label, really, isn't it? Is yeah. I don't think. And in our sales, yeah. I mean, I I I don't really think that many people are in our band anyway. I mean, we have, I think that we do have like a fan base of sorts, but it's certainly not big enough to warrant spending that amount of money, because I don't know. I think like the minimum minimum run of like uh vinyl you can get is something like 300 copies or something mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think we would be lucky if we shifted 50 mm-hmm. and then the rest would just sit in boxes for decades afterwards you know <laughs> gathering dust in a cupboard somewhere That's, uh, <laughs> let me tell you a story about that <laughs> one day <laughs> one, <Okay>. one day <laughs> um <laughs> so i also wanted also noticed on enorm that um lyrics are a lot more shall we say political and less Less I centered, more kind of we centered. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah. What? What? Why? <laughs> I guess why. Um, I don't know. I just I kind of got sick of writing about myself. Once the music for the for an arm was done, um, I, I I found myself struggling to entertain the thought of uh, writing about how I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my insecurities and all this sort of stuff because I feel as though I've kind of as I feel as as a uh, what's the word I'm thinking of as a subject I've kind of exhausted myself yeah. and I just wanted to kind of do something different again it was kind of heavily influenced by No Means No because Rob Wright writes amazing existential uh, poetry I think and I wanted to try and sort of emulate it or incorporate it into what I do. I don't think I was like anywhere near as um or I don't think I had anywhere near the same degree of finesse as he has. <laughs> but it was good fun to like I don't know, just write differently for a change and I don't know. I think it's good. I I like it too. I mean it's it's good to see bands trying new things. Um and Thanks man. And even refining what they've had in terms of, like, musically, I think you guys have definitely, by bringing it sharper to the point, I don't know, maybe it's just personally my taste, because I'm a punk kid, and I think the best records ever made, most of them are, like, 
under half an hour long. So yeah, I really like that brevity. I guess you know what I mean. It's it's really really cool. Um, one thing I picked up on when you were saying that is like, do you do you guys like write the music first and write the vocals and lyrics like afterwards, or is, is that? Oh yeah, 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 always. That's what I do as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the case for most folk. I can't even imagine doing it the other way around. Um, it's like building a house from the roof down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not to say people don't and can't make a success of it, but it's just I don't know. That whole process has always appeared really alien to me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should try it sometime and see what happens. But I don't know. I'm, I I I don't really see myself as, uh, or rather, the the part of being in a band that I enjoy the most is playing the guitar. You know, playing an instrument and writing riffs and kind of rocking out the singing side of things. And I don't know. I can kind of take it or leave it, I guess. But I don't think Fat Goss music is interesting enough to be strictly a, an instrumental band. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not like there's any shortage of bands that are like that anyway. But um, certainly not at the moment. No. <laughs> no. Christ. Um, so I I don't know I mean to be honest singing's a pain in the arse but <laughs> it's like a necessary evil I guess is, you, is it one of these and situations I, I try my best one of these situations where you kind of want it to be like I can't really trust anyone else to do this so I need to do it myself sort of thing kind of I mean you, like one of my favourite um, vocalists is David Joe from the, the Jesus Lizard I think mm. the guy is fucking amazing like he was so like every component of that band, in my opinion, is perfect. Because you got this watertight, like precision-based musical outfit that's just working on all cylinders. It's just constantly fucking, mm, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just, I don't know. That's precision. Constantly, thing to say that's probably the biggest yeah. point. Yeah. And then you got David Yao, who's like singing over the top of it, but he's like the polar opposite. He's like this loose cannon. He just sounds like a like a wino in an alleyway, <laughs> you know, just going mental. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I, I find it so entertaining. Um, so I, I guess I, I still try to emulate that in what we're doing. I think all we have as far as Fat Goth is concerned is, is wanted to try and, I don't know, I suppose you can kind of use the voice to add the, the ridiculous element, I guess. Yeah. Because you can kind of really do whatever you want. You can sing like Pavarotti or you can just scream and come across as a total lunatic. You know, it's quite mm. versatile, I suppose, in that way. I don't know. Maybe I don't hate singing as much as I think I do. I think if you've been doing it for this long, you probably don't, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I, I do enjoy getting up there and just making a horrible noise into a microphone. Yeah. It's something quite primal about it. Yeah, there's something singularly um, satisfying about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't sing for shit. Like, I'm, I, I'm not a good singer, but I can make a horrible noise. So I try to make that work to my advantage, I guess. <laughs> well, it's about using what you've got in it and, and also deploying it in a way which is intelligent. Because you can, you could just go up there and it could be totally incoherent and it wouldn't really work with the music. But I mean, it's not, Fat Goth isn't like that in my opinion anyway. So um, it does right. it does make sense, you know what I mean? When you hear it, it makes sense 
to go along with the music, which is, I think a lot of people don't realise how hard that is when you're doing something which is a little bit off-kilter, like some of your earlier stuff kind of was, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's hard, um, hard to achieve that balance. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> and were you, ha- were you happy with the way the album was received? Uh, what, a norm? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I, we've been we've been releasing music since 2010, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it was when the band first started. It was actually just like meant to be a recording project. We're going to do the first album and then release it, and then that would be it. Didn't even plan on playing any shows or anything like that. And uh, in the intervening seven years you know it's achieved way more than I ever thought it would, it would be capable of doing mm-hmm. and um, I think it'd be safe to say we've had our 15 minutes of fame you know that came and went ages ago and it was great you know we had an awesome time doing that stuff um, but it's understandably like there's not as much attention on us now and because we're not a new band and I think people will already or people who are familiar with us will know what we're all about and it's definitely not for everybody um but i don't know i mean this we played a few shows recently and people came along and seemed to enjoy it so i don't know that's great man i, I can be happier with that are you thinking about hitting the road again or is that kind of impulse kind of well and truly departed like uh actually properly touring even just like a short run of days I don't know, man. I mean, it would be great to kind of do something like that, but getting back to our age, I mean, we're all in our mid-30s now mm-hmm. with, like, full-time jobs and bills to pay and all this sort of stuff. And that's yeah. not to say everybody's like that. And some people are in a fortunate enough position where they can make that work, but I don't know. I just... I think if we were going to do something like that, it would need to... It would probably need to be along the lines of supporting a more established act that we really liked. Yeah. It would kind of be like the shows, they would, they would be well attended and I don't know, we would get paid enough for it to not be like a, an expensive venture on our part. Yeah. Um, it's a big black hole of cash. I always say this in this podcast, but being a band is a big fucking black hole of cash. <laughs> It is, yeah, totally. But I mean, you you love doing it, so that's yeah. why you're prepared to make that financial um, sacrifice, I guess. And like like I said, we've we've kind of done all of that stuff um, when we were younger, you know, put in the previous bands and not trying to make it, but just like enjoy the the touring experience, just to see what it's like. And mm-hmm. it was great fun and stuff, but. I don't know. I think we're maybe just a bit too used to the the comforts of home nowadays to actually entertain going going down that path again. Unless it was going to be, unless it was like kind of guaranteed guaranteed to be like a worthwhile experience. Yeah. I think that's a worthwhile way of looking at it as well. I mean, a lot of people want to do it and and be on the road forever and stuff like that. But everybody's different, you know, and it doesn't mm. it still doesn't bar you from making great music and and making music that you love. You know, and touring is great, I think, but it's not the be all and end all for all bands. It doesn't have to be. If you're happy to not do it, then fuck it. No one's gonna, no one's gonna judge you. People still come to your shows, so 
Absolutely, yeah, I mean, we still like we absolutely love playing live. Playing the playing the gig is fucking awesome fun. Yeah, and we always look forward to it, and we tend to always have a good time. Um, and it would be great to kind of continue doing that. And if we if we're given opportunities to do it further afield, then we're open to it. But um, in terms of like sitting down for weeks on end, like trying to make headway with some promoter at the other end of the country or even further afield and trying to fill up all these dates and figuring out how much money we're going to need for fuel and all this sort of shit. It's just like, nah, I cannot be arsed dealing with that. That's, somebody else can fucking deal with all that mm-hmm. bullshit. You know, you just tell me where I need to be and I'll be there. But obviously yeah. nobody's going to do that for us. So we're kind of in the position we're in. I hate that aspect of it as well. Booking tours for my band. I'm trying to do one just now and it's just a fucking, I hate it. I hate it so much, man. Well, Fraser, it's been a total pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything you, you want man. to say or anything you want to add or anything you want to ask me before we finish? Uh, well, I just want to say thanks very much for thinking to speak to me on your, your podcast. I'm very happy to have contributed and I hope your listeners have enjoyed it and anybody who's into Fat Goth and listens to our music and comes to the shows and stuff like that. I just want to say thank you very much and hope you enjoy it. Yeah. It's been a total pleasure to have you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, so I'm, I'm glad we finally managed to, to sort it out. But Fraser, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, man. It was really, really good to actually get a chance to talk to Fraser. Like I said in the interview, I've been a fan of Fat Goth for a wee while now. And I actually thought they stopped being a band. That's how long it was between their last album and their new one. But I'm glad they came back, and I'm glad that they came back with this really sort of direct and in-your-face record. It's like no fucking about, you know what I mean? And I really appreciate that, especially given that I'm a punk kid. So yeah, big thanks to Fraser for taking the time to talk to me over the phone. To hopefully get a chance to chat to him again at some point in the future. If you haven't already, please check out their new album, Norm. It's really, really good. You can get it on Spotify and all that as well, or do the right thing. Go to their Bandcamp page and download it there. Because we're all just struggling artists, man. We're all just trying to make ends meet. And being in a band is fucking expensive, particularly if it's a part-time thing. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you can, I'd like it if you could take a wee second to give me a rating and review on iTunes. The higher I get up the iTunes charts, the more people will see this podcast and that's really important for me because that means I can attract more guests and that is is vital for, really vital for continuing this podcast, I would say. I mean, without the guests, this podcast is nothing, so yeah, go ahead, do it, do it now. Until next time, bye-bye.